Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 48 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today I have Rachel and Kim and Becky with me, and we're going to be answering two listener questions. And I just want to especially thank those of you who have left uh questions via the recording. It's great to have questions um, through email, but I think it's really nice when the listeners can actually hear your voice and just hear your heart really behind your voice. And um, I know that the questions that have come in are questions that a lot of women have. So it's really important that you ask those questions. And please know that when you do, there are so many other people that want to have information about those same topics. So um, the two questions that we have today have to do with homeschooling. Can you, if you were to be separated or to get divorced, how would you continue to homeschool and what are your options there? And then the other question had to do with what if your husband starts to change or you think he might be changing and, but you just really don't trust him anymore and you don't trust the process and you just are burnt out and you would just like the marriage to end. What then? So we're going to be talking about those two questions, really important questions. I also just want to thank, especially thank those of you who have taken time out of your schedules to go over to Apple iTunes and leave a rating and a review for this podcast. Here's the thing about those ratings and reviews. They actually help other people find the podcast when you do that. So um, I don't know how the algorithms work, but Apple iTunes has a way of knowing if people are really interested in a certain podcast. And so those podcasts will come up in the searches more often than ones who aren't getting any traction that way. So when you do leave a rating and review, just please know that you are helping to get this podcast out there and um, seen more often. And also, I just you need to know too that Rachel and I and the other gals who are helping me with this, we love reading those. It's just super encouraging. So um, thank you for those of you who have already done that. And if you haven't done that, I make it really easy on my website, flyingfreenow.com forward slash podcast. Click on any of the podcast episodes and there'll be a link in there, both to the place where you can record a question, as well as a link to iTunes where you can leave a rating and review. So without any further ado, let's get started. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Flying Free and welcome ladies. I'm super excited about this episode. We've got a couple of really great questions, really important questions. We're going to play the first one and dive in. Hi, Natalie. I'm hoping you can speak into my situation. My husband and I have been married about 13 years and maybe six years into our marriage, I started feeling like there were things that were wrong, but I couldn't really identify them. Um, About a year and a half ago was when I really started awakening to the fact that I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. And I told him at that point that if it continued that way, I wanted to leave. He then started to, he saw how serious I was about leaving. And then he began to 
look into things that were happening and looking inward. And at, it has been a process, but I think he's finally starting to realize a lot of the things that he was doing were abusive. And I see some genuine desire in him to want to change. Despite that, though, I still feel like I want to leave. And I feel guilty that I still want to leave. And I feel like I need to stay, considering that we have three kids and all of that. I just feel deep down that I can't be vulnerable to him because of the abuse. I just feel like I've shut down my heart towards him. And even though he's changing, I still want to leave. You know, I think this is Rachel. I think I can speak for everyone here on this podcast. We just feel for you, whoever you are, wherever you are, this is a really hard situation. It's confusing. It's painful. Um, you want to do the right thing, but there's so many different um, ideas about what is the right thing pulling at you. And it's definitely understandable that you don't feel like you can trust your husband. Um, and I, I really identify with you because I was married for 13 years to my abusive ex-husband as well. And that is a long time. And you have seen these patterns of behavior sustained for a very long time. And so there's a reason why you don't feel like you can trust him. And those reasons have been added up day after day, minute after minute, where he shows himself untrustworthy. And um, I'm, it's nice that maybe he is seeking to change. Um, we don't, speaking personally, we don't see that a whole lot. A lot of times, I mean, in my situation, there was um, some efforts to change that made me so hopeful but then it really wasn't um, authentic. It was uh, manipulation, unfortunately, and I had to come to the reality of that. So I think you have to come to where you are most comfortable. But I just want to tell you that what I came to in my own life was um, he had broken our marriage vows over and over and over again. And there was um, no trust because um, even though, you know, he wasn't unfaithful to my knowledge, um, he had been unfaithful to who I was as a person. He had abandoned me over and over and over again. And that is what brought me to this place where I thought, I, I realized to myself, like, our marriage was over a long time ago. And filing this legal paperwork is just the evidence, the, the, the public evidence of what's been going on for years. And um, it's hard that you've got three kids. It's hard to know what is best for them. In my situation, um, I've got one son and I realized that I did not want to keep showing him that this is the way that families work, that this is the way you treat your wife. It was time for me to say, no, this is not okay. And I'm, I'm reversing direction um, on what I've basically been living with for the last, you know, 15, 13, 14 years. So that's where I came to. And, and so the only thing I would just say is, is try to tune out all the messages from the world of, Oh, say, save the marriage at all costs. Um, you are more important than the institution of your marriage because you are, our, our marriage was made for man. Man was not made for marriage. And realizing that, um, is sort of, it's the opposite of often what the, the impression we get from the, the church. 
but realizing that was so um, eye-opening to me because I had basically been acting as a slave to my marriage, trying to do whatever it took to keep it together at all costs. As long as it, as long as I didn't file that paperwork, we were good in God's eyes, right? Actually, no. God is interested in the truth. And if you need to file that legal paperwork to live in truth, then that's what you need to do. Well, and here's another thought that I had is that if I really think that, um, I mean, all of us here that are on this podcast, we all have relationships with healthy people now. And the difference is so, you know, astounding. But if, if that other person, if our ex-husbands had really become and changed, had that inner transformation and become the way our current spouses are, we would have probably warmed to them. Don't you think? Don't you think that over time yeah. we would have warmed to them? We would have felt, eventually would have felt very safe with them. And then we, our desire would have been to stay because all we were looking for is love and safety. Right? Absolutely. There would be no, the transformation would have been so remarkable, like so obvious. Um, there was no getting around it. We wouldn't have been looking for like subtle, tiny clues that maybe give us a spark of hope that he actually is changing. Right. Right. And this is Becky. I was going to say too, um, to this gal who's asking the question, my heart just sank because I think it, if you go back to your fundamental beliefs in your question, you're saying that he deserves grace. He deserves a happy life. He deserves everything. You don't. And I most often that's because Christianity has told us that our whole lives, that we are second, you know, in line. It's all about him, as, as Rachel was saying. But, but in reality, reverse the situation for a minute. If you had been this horrible person and you are now who you are today, would you not, if your spouse came to you and said, I just don't think I could ever trust you again, the true humility and repentance would say, I, I understand that and I, will re I want to release you. And not only that, I want to make it as painless as possible and I want to do everything I can to support you in a happy life. And, and you know what? If you ever go to your husband and say that, I tell you what, that's going to tell you whether it's true repentance or not because if he throws a hissy fit over what do you mean i've done all this changing you can't divorce me that's going to tell you a lot about where it's really at um and i've never i've actually never known of a situation where a man actually changed I, i'm i'm sure that there, everything is possible um but i i think i would just go back to your fundamental belief of why why does he deserve all grace and all goodness and why do you have to be the one that shoulders all the burden and all the blame yeah. I, someone told me once, uh, when I was trying to figure out, should I stay or should I go? They said, if you, if he has truly changed, he will give you an amazing divorce. And I, I just thought, wow, well, I did not have an amazing divorce. <laughs> I had a divorce that took 19 months and it was painful. But, um, but that was when the reveal really came. That was when I really had my, my proof, like a hundred thousand times that this person was, not repentant and was there was no inner transformation it was all aesthetic on the outside so yeah i love that becky thank you for bringing that point out i think that's really important when you when if someone has had an inner transformation you should be able to press a pressure point in them 
You should be able to press for your own autonomy, for your own voice to be heard. You should be able to show up as a, as a whole person and they will respect your space. They will respect your voice. They will listen. They will care. They will make room for you to live and move and breathe in their world. And it will be a beautiful, safe, healthy thing. And yeah, I don't, you know, I hope that that's what this man is doing. Um, but I really think that if he was truly doing that, that, that um, this listener would be starting to feel after a year and a half would be starting to feel that safety. And, and I would uh, Natalie add to that, that she might be listening to us and saying, well, but y'all don't understand he's come so far. Um, true repentance. Um, obviously true repentance is overnight. Becoming a different person does take time, but I just, I, I just have a really hard time believing that men who have operated this way, normally 30, 40, 50 years of their lives, they may repent. I'm not sure they're going to change. And if they do, are you willing to wait 30, 40 more years of your life all for them? And, and it's, it's just no, no uh, church would ever ask a man to do that. Yeah. And grace. Okay. So grace is present, can, can be present here, but grace does not mean a lack of consequences. And what's happened here, you know, you can't avoid consequences when you treat someone horribly for years upon end. That's right. I was going to mention, Oh, I'm sorry, Kim, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just, um, thinking about, well, yes, Rachel, um, also want to say what Rachel said. It is so understandable that this woman is feeling hurt. So definitely that pain is real. Um, and the broken vows, I just wanted to reiterate that. And also I liked Becky's viewpoint about, um, why is he the only one that can re why is the grace focused on him? Um, so I think one of us mentioned about kind of putting a pressure point on a spouse and maybe that would be for this woman a physical separation for a while from her husband and see how her husband would handle that and what would happen with that would the change be sustained throughout that that period of separation uh but i i feel like it would also give her a feel for what I guess maybe a taste of what life would be like divorced also, because there are so many things that I didn't really consider when I was separated or I mean, when I was still married, like what divorce, the ins and outs of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. I, I will put a link in the show notes. So if you go to, um, flyingfreenow.com forward slash 48. That's this episode number. You, there, you'll see some show notes there. I'll put a link to a online, <clears throat> an online resource. I can't think of the name of the guy who does it, but it's called, Can This Relationship Be Saved? And it's a great, um, he's got like an audio that you can listen to and ask yourself a whole bunch of questions, but then he's got this worksheet or workbook kind of thing that if you, I did this workbook back when I was trying to figure things out and it really helped open my eyes to 
see the reality of my situation. It helps you to play the movie out in the future. So you play the movie, you watch the movie of what would happen if you stayed, where would you be 10 years from now? <clears throat> and then, um, and where would your kids be? And then you play out the movie <clears throat> if you leave. Sorry, my voice is going. You play out the movie if you leave. What would that look like? How would your life look like then? And it really helped me to make my final decision. I was really, really close to making a decision anyways at that point. But I highly, I recommend that worksheet all the time to people. So if you are on the fence, go there. I also want to put in a shameless plug for Flying Free, the support and community group. Um, that group is closing. Actually, it will be closed by the time this airs. So I'm still going to plug it though. If you go to joinflyingfree.com, you can get on the waiting list to um, hop on in March. But that group also will really help you figure this out. By the time, if you spend a year in that group, we will help you walk through whether you're staying with your spouse or whether you're separating from him or whether you're going through the divorce process or even if you're already divorced and you're just trying, looking at the rubble of your life and trying to figure it out. So go over there, get on the, read more about it, get on the waiting list. And then hopefully, um, if you're interested in joining, you, you can join at the beginning of March. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, a Christian woman's guide to hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. You can actually read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called FlyingFreeNow.com. I'll even give you the first three chapters of my book free if you want to hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those three chapters are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. Now, let's get back to our episode. We're going to move on to the next question now. So here we go. Hi, I would love to hear a podcast on the topic of how a homeschooling mom can navigate through a divorce with a uh, in, with her abuser um, who is a covert narcissist, most likely. And um, so how she can navigate through divorce and continue to homeschool after the divorce is over. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, Becky. I think you'd be a great person to start, you know, to kick this one off because of your experience in this area. So um, thanks, Natalie. I have uh, five kids and when I divorced um, and I had homeschooled all of them all the way through uh, until I divorced, uh, they were 18, 16, 14, 12, and 10. And uh, I think if I could relate to you in one way, it would be the fear that I had. Um, if you're like many homeschoolers, you have homeschooled since the beginning. Um, you have these fears that have been built up from the homeschool, you know, jargon that goes on that says, you know, public school will destroy your children. Um, you're the only influence that really matters, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I think the first thing I would, I would say is I would challenge your, your thinking and is, um, 
homeschooling is not the only way. Um, so for me, th the three girls, I had already graduated my oldest daughter. The next two girls were in a uh, high school co-op tutorial uh, two days a week, and uh, I let them finish homeschooling all the way through. The boys, however, especially because I had been in a relationship with a covert narcissist and just a very abusive man, I really felt it was important that they have another male figure in their life. So I specifically sought for a school where they would have a male teacher, um, and I found a small Christian school for um, a couple years. And then even after that, I I saw my youngest, who was, again, 10 when, when uh, I divorced. He's now turning 17 next week. Um, we put him in public school because he wanted to join ROTC, and we felt like what ROTC could do for his life, plus um, the input my new amazing husband had, but transformed him completely. Had I homeschooled him, I really believe it would have been more detrimental to him at that point. So I think you need to address your fears, write them down. Are they true? Um, depending on the age of your kids, is this the best thing for them? <clears throat> and depending on their sex, if you have boys and you have been, and they have been under a man who is treated women the way that these men treat women for eight, 10, 15 years, they need other influences to see that that is not how men treat women. Because typically, if your husband's treating you like that, you're probably going to a church where that's acceptable um, and sometimes even promoted. So I would say part of divorcing, the privilege of divorce, is allowing your children to get away from these toxic environments. Um, and then lastly, I was just going to say that the um, the probably one of the main things you have to think about is the practicality of the finances. Can you, can you work at home? Do you need to work or will you have um, other means uh, so that you can homeschool? I was a working mom and I homeschooled all my kids and worked full time the whole time. It is not for the um, soft hearted. <laughs> it was very hard. I, I gave up every other aspect of my life in order to do it. But I knew at that time with an abusive husband, the best thing I could do was be close to my kids, keep them close. Once I divorced, I felt it more important to let them expand their wings and see the world um, without the tainted vision that their, their father would give them. I, you know, I want to jump in here too, because I have, um, I have nine kids. I homeschooled for 20 years. Um, the, the first two, I homeschooled all the way through. And then my, I won't go into all the details, but I've got a couple of kids in public school. I've got some kids in a private school now and um, a child in a private Christian university and another child or two other children that are in a secular university. And so it's all across, I've experienced all across the gamut, but when I, so I think the, I think that we can all relate to the idea of we want to homeschool our kids because we're trying to give them the best start possible. We want them to be grounded in the word of God. We want them to be grounded in the truth. We want to protect them from bad influences so that they can, you know, grow up and do all these great things for God or have a, or at least have a happy, satisfying life with a strong faith. Right. And we think at least I did, that if they go to this, a secular school, that they're going to, um, you know, that they're going to lose that. They're going to learn about evolution. They're going <clears> to, <throat> they're going to hear a bunch of lies. They're going to become gay, whatever. And I just want to say that 
my kids, the outcomes of my older kids have been all across the board. So, um, it doesn't, and my conclusion after, after all this, my oldest is 26. My conclusion is that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, how they were educated, what kind of education they had. I mean, it does. Okay. It does in the sense of what Becky said as individuals, for example, one of my kids really thrived in homeschooling and he has his own business now and he is um, making money hand over fist. Not that that's a sign of success, but I'm just saying he, um, he graduated at age 16. He did PSEO. He, you know, he got a college degree without paying, basically without paying anything. So he's kind of the poster child for the homeschooling thing. So you'd think that all the rest of my kids would have followed suit, but no, I've had kids that have dabbled in drugs, like serious drugs kids that have slept around. I have, I have, you know, my, we've got a lot of issues and, and those kids were the ones that went to Christian school and were homeschooled. The ones that are, um, in public school so far are doing pretty good, you know, so far we'll see what happens, but here's what I think that what the big problem was in our family. It wasn't the education piece. It was the abuse. That was the thing that screwed up my family. So it didn't matter how much I was praying, how much I was homeschooling, what I was bending over backwards, working my butt off, trying to do to um, turn everything around and fix everything and make it all good. It was the, it was the abuse, which I had absolutely no control over. That is what caused so many, so much dysfunction and so many false beliefs. And it wasn't just the abuse that my husband was doing. It was the spiritual abuse that was happening at our church. It was the way that my kids were being raised to believe certain things. I recently wrote a blog article um, about the abuser God, and we were basically believing in not just a daddy who was abusive, but we were also believing in a God who was abusive. And that really messes with your head. And I believe it's a satanic movement in the church that is destroying families. And so the answer is not the, the education piece is not the, not the whole answer. The answer is who are we worshiping? And we can worship that God, whether we go to public school or private school. So I just wanted to address that. I'm wondering if anyone could address the, like the financial aspect or how did the rest of you guys deal with that? Well, for me, um, this isn't really quite the financial aspect. This is Kim, by the way. Three years ago, I was going through my separation and divorce, and my kids were 12, 9, 7, 5, and one and a half. And I continued for a little while while I was separated in homeschooling them still. And I had always done it alone. I did not have help from my ex, really. In, Childcare, home, like schooling, clean anything at home. Um, so it was always all on me. But the emotional trauma of that separation was so exhausting and heavy. I had so many people, the flying monkeys, contacting me and showing up at my house and telling me I had to go back. I could hardly get out of bed in the morning. So I knew I came to a point where I knew I cannot continue to do this to homeschool. Um, so 
I, I remember, so I had cancer seven years ago and I remember God telling me through that, that he or I, him speaking, love the kids more than you do. And so that came back to me through this separation that he loves them more than I do. He's going to take care of them if I send them back to school. It will, in a sense, hopefully be okay because he loves them more than me. So I didn't re-enroll them uh, back into their Christian, private Christian school. Um, They had gone there before I started homeschooling. I homeschooled for about three years. Uh, And they're, they're doing quite well now my oldest is in high school now and that's going well um they for the most part enjoy it you know there are of course bad days but um once my kids went back to school too I knew the weight was heavy of homeschooling and I'm sure Natalie and Becky you guys get that and this woman listening homeschooling is it's a full-time job in itself Um, Becky, I don't know how you worked full time and did homeschooling. I can't quite fathom that. Uh, but that weight was lifted and it was amazing. It was really difficult for me when I sent them those initial weeks. That first day was horrible. I remember it so vividly. It was a it was horrible, but I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day too. And honestly, actually, that's a whole other story. Released me from that marriage. But, um, so just even thinking about that, you might not even fully realize the weight of what you're carrying just in the homeschooling aspect of your life until that might be gone for you. And then you can maybe try to focus too on, on what else is going on in your in your life and in your, sounds like you're going through a divorce. So through that. I was going to add, um, Kim for the financial part. Um, and like you said, that, that feeling of guilt, um, I actually felt guilty when I put my kids in school because I was glad I didn't have to homeschool them. And because I had so much else going on besides full-time job, there was navigating all the flying monkeys, like you said, and, um, and then the, the, my divorce took nearly a year and that was not in any way pleasant, but regarding the financial part, it's very rare that, um, we have ex spouses who pay their child support and pay their alimony. Uh, if you get alimony, um, so I would never ever lean on that. Um, I, I would make sure that the number one stress you're going to encounter when you divorce is you have to put a roof and food on the table, roof over their head, food on the table. That's priority one. And if you can get help sending them to public school, um, maybe sending them to private school on a, on a a sliding scale, uh, income scale, um, it will help you. And you might be thinking no way, because I know I meet a lot of homeschool moms in what I do. And, they really, they really are afraid of school. And, and I, I just want you to remember, you probably went to school yourself. Um, it will be okay. Just like Natalie said, all five of my kids are at different places. And um, the, the education was not the primary part that played in who they are today. So one more thing, Natalie, that might be beneficial um, 
to this woman that's deciding the homeschooling. But I think for other major decisions that we have to make in our life, especially during the, these traumatic times, is to maybe refer back to episode 47 that we recorded. And Sarah was in that discussion with us. And she had four little nuggets or questions when you're trying to maybe make a decision. And a couple of the questions were, does it align with who I want to be, or maybe for who your kids want to be? Where do you want to head in life or your kids in life? At one point in that episode, she had four of these good thinking, analyzing questions. So maybe if she wants to go back and look at, listen to that, that might help her too. Yes. And she can do that by going to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 47. And that will get her straight to that episode. I, I wanted to say one last thing too. My kids have thrived in school, like thrived in a way that they did not thrive in homeschool. And looking, if I, honestly, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have homeschooled. Um, there, my second son, I think uh, he, he really needed to have been in school. And I, I most, I grieve over that a lot. I grieve over my decision to have kept him in homeschool and to have kept him. He was athletic. He could have played sports. We didn't, back then we thought that sports were evil. I know this sounds like totally over the top, but um, we thought that, yeah. So anyway, I won't go into that. We, we need to wrap this up, but I just want to say I was petrified of putting my kids in school and, um, and it turned out that they absolutely love school. They all actually really enjoy school and, um, they have wonderful friends. They've made wonderful relationships with other adults that have, you know, kept an eye on them and helped them and helped support me in my parenting. And um, I used to, I don't know if you ever heard uh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton said, you know, it takes a village and all of us Christians were like, oh, that's anathema. You know, it just takes a family. That's all. Actually, I really believe it does take a village now. And I'm so grateful for all of the adults in our lives that have reached out, not Christians, unfortunately, the Christians abandoned me, but um, the secular community has reached out and, and offered support and love and care for our family in a way that we really, really needed. So, which is kind of sad. It, it's a sad statement about where our church is at, but, um, and, and it's not like that everywhere. I'm sure that my experience is, um, well, I don't think it's the exception. I actually think it's the rule, but I'm sure there are exceptions and grateful for those too. But we are gonna close now. I just wanna end by saying that this episode of the Flying Free podcast is made financially possible through the private Flying Free education and support community. This community offers courses, workshops, live coaching, and more for women of faith that are looking for hope and healing from emotionally and spiritually abusive relationships, but also communities. You can find out more at joinflyingfree.com. And I thank you so much for stopping by to listen. Until next time, fly free.